heavily been stuck in a depression ever since 2008. A silent depression, as my old friend Emil Kalinowski called it. Now, that's a loaded term. Every time you hear the term depression, it brings up a lot of emotional response. But there is an enormous, and I mean enormous, volume of evidence that suggests that very idea. That the economy, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, has been suffering a depression going back to, well, August 9th of 2007. So to answer that question, we have to ask another question. What is a depression? Is it just a big recession? To get an answer, to start piecing together our answer, let's go back to the big one, the last one, the Great Depression of the 1930s. And we're going to pick it up there in 1936 with a fellow by the name of Alf. Now, Alf wasn't just some 80 sitcom star. He was actually the Republican nominee to run for president against FDR. And in July 1936, in accepting the Republican nomination, Alf observed the following. The world has tried to conquer this depression by different methods. None of them has been fully successful. Too frequently, recovery has been hindered, if not defeated, by political considerations. Our own country has tried one economic theory after another. This present administration asked for and received extraordinary powers upon the assurance that these were to be temporary. Most of its proposals did not follow familiar paths to recovery. We knew they were being undertaken hastily and little de deliberation. This sounds so familiar. But because these measures were supposed to be temporary, because everybody hoped they would prove successful, and because the people wanted the administration to have a fair trial, Congress and the country united in support of its efforts at the outset. And they would remain united, unfortunately for Mr. Landon, in 1936 as FDR won a landslide second term. And he did so because in 1936, though everything that Mr. Landon had just said was absolutely true and everyone knew it, the economy was still on the upswing and people were willing to give it some more time to see if maybe some of this New Deal stuff would actually work. But then along came 1937 and another depression within a depression here. And it became clear by then it wasn't going to work. And so FDR himself in a fireside chat in early 1938 at the trough of this 1937 38 depression within a depression he had to admit the truth. Facing tough midterm prospects, here's what FDR said. Today I pointed out to Congress that the national income, not the government's income, but the total of the income of all the individual citizens and family of the United States, every farmer, every worker, every banker, every professional man, and every person who lived on income derived from investments, that national income had amounted in the year 1929 to $81 billion. By 1932, this had fallen to $38 billion, and everybody thinks that's the depression part. But the depression part is really what comes next. Back to FDR. Gradually, and up to a few months ago, it had risen to a total, an annual total, of $68 billion, and as FDR put it, a pretty, com pretty good comeback from the low point. A pretty good comeback from the low point is not a recovery, you'll notice. So according to FDR's numbers back then, we were at $81 billion in national income in 1929, and almost a decade later, we were only at 
eight. And you see this throughout the statistics through the 1930s, labor in particular. The amount of employed workers in 1938 was about the same as 1929, but you'll remember the population wasn't staying still. So the level of unemployment went up and remained up. The economy never recovered during the 1930s. Alf Landon said so, despite all the experimental methods that were thrown at the economy to try to fix it, he said it wasn't working. And Americans knew it wasn't working, but they were willing to give it more time. In 1938, FDR admitted, yeah, it, was, it didn't really work as a recovery, but we're, at least we're trying. That was his message. So maybe a depression isn't just a bigger recession, a bigger downturn. Maybe a depression is where something happens that causes the economic system to behave very differently and far worse after it happens than beforehand. Because that's what 1929 represented for that generation, a sea change, a paradigm shift in the economic situation. When we look at the statistics for the 2010s, the 2000s to the 2010s and into the 2020s, guess what we find? Most people will be shocked to learn that the economy has behaved and performed like the Great Depression economy. It wasn't the same in the initial collapse, certainly not to that level and degree, but over the decade since then and decade plus since then, the US economy and as too many foreign economies have underperformed even the 1930s. Let me say that again. The US economy and too many foreign economies have underperformed the 1930s. When you compare GDP from the 30s with say the 2010s, what you find is that it was actually better back when FDR was trying to make, make people accept a pretty good comeback instead of recovery. So we look at the data and what it shows us is quite concerning. And maybe that explains the situation that we find ourselves in today. Because as I always say, when the rate of, rate of change in the economy goes down, rate of change in politics goes up. And as von Clausewitz said in the 19th century, what is war but a continuation of politics by other means? So if it feels like the world has gotten much angrier, much edgier, countries themselves are much edgier and angrier and willing to take different steps that they maybe weren't, maybe there is an explanation behind all of that too. But before we get into the rest of this, and I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University, we're, we're going to have another webinar on Friday, October 20th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, talking about, well, maybe if the Eurodollar is an answer to all of these questions, not just what is a depression, but are we in a depression, a silent depression, as Emil said, since the euro dollar really broke down in 2007, because it would be one gigantic historic coincidence if there was some other reasons here. And you'll see as I continue in this video. But remember, if you wanna join us for our webinar next Friday, there is a link in the description. It's free, no charge. You just have to sign up ahead of time. Check us out. I hope to see you there Friday, October 20th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. What really made the Great Depression into a Great Depression is the lack of recovery. It wasn't just a big collapse, but the big collapse itself played a role in the lack of recovery thereafter. And it was Milton Friedman and Ben Bernanke, believe it or not, who 
who put together the reasons why that was protracted non-neutrality. What Ben Bernanke said quite briefly is that essentially it broke the banking system. And because it broke the banking system, credit wasn't created, money didn't flow through the economy as it needed to, it hindered the recovery. Yes, there were other factors as Alf Landon was pointing out in 1936, but by and large, the lack of recovery, the economy was hindered because the collapse, the initial stage broke the banking, it changed the way banking actually functioned. And therefore it changed the, the ability of the economy to come back from the low. Where FDR tried to celebrate a pretty good comeback, it wasn't nearly enough, as the 1940s would soon spell out. So let's look at GDP in the 2010s, leading up to the 2010s and into the 2010s. Most people look at GDP and they look at the chart and say, What's wrong with this? This looks like the booming economy that we've been hearing about for the last half decade, even longer. I mean, we talked about overheating in Janet Yellen's first days back in 2014. But when you put in the trend line, the pre-2007 trend line, you notice the economy has not performed well. In fact, 2008, 2007 to 2008, is actually a complete change and the behavior of economic output. And it's not just the United States. We see the same thing in Europe. We see the same thing in China. We see the same thing in Russia, of all places. All around the world, economic growth was different after 2008 than before it. And this was not at all what we were promised because if you go back and remember, if you're old enough, remember, 2008 into 2009 and 2010 with QE2, we kept getting promises. This stuff that they're gonna, the experimental methods that Alf Landon was talking about in the 1930s, the experimental methods, some of them which were the same as the Great Depression, those were gonna get us back onto recovery. That's what they all promised. Ben Bernanke in November of 2010 wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post where he promised that. What he said was, hey, we did all of this experimental stuff in 2008 and that saved the economy. We saved it from worse. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be going so well in 2010. We were supposed to have a recovery and the recovery isn't happening. So guess what? We're going to do a second round of all of this experimental stuff and that's going to put us into recovery. Here's what he said November of 2010. Two years have passed since the worst financial crisis since the 1930s dealt a body blow to the world economy. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Working with policymakers at home and abroad, the Federal Reserve responded with strong and creative measures to help stabilize the financial system and the economy. The data shows otherwise. Among the Fed's responses was a dramatic easing of monetary policy, making the same mistake as the 1930s, reducing short-term interest rates to nearly zero. The Fed also purchased more than a trillion dollars worth of treasury securities and U.S. mortgage-backed related securities, just like the Fed in the 1930s did, which helped reduce long-term interest rates, such as those for mortgages and corporate bonds. Not really. The data shows it didn't do much at all. These steps, this is the key part, these steps helped end the economic freefall and set the stage for a resumption of economic growth in mid-2009. A resumption of economic growth in 2009. The economic expansion or growth that did resume in 2009 was not what everyone was talking about or was promised. As Ben Bernanke said in November 2010, as he would say repeatedly, we were supposed to have a recovery and it never showed up. So how do we explain that? 
Okay, now that we realize that it's happened, how do we explain that? Well, there are a number of different ways to do so, and the number of ways that have been that have done so. The first way is to completely ignore this, to bury this in the financial press, to simply talk about the economy as if it is booming and red hot, to ignore the data which shows unequivocally something big happened in 2008 and we have not been the same since. So if we talk about a low unemployment rate and we talk about an economic boom, we can just gloss over this little teensy tiny fact that the entire world has been in dire shape ever since then. And it has never been fixed by all of these experimental measures. And in that respect, it is just like the 1930s. As Jay Powell would say today, it's been a pretty good comeback from the low point. That's what Ben Bernanke was saying really in 2010. He didn't know it at the time, but he was setting the stage to set us all up for accepting a pretty good comeback rather than an actual recovery. And anything short of a actual recovery is not a pretty good comeback. It is absolutely a painful, massive depression. And we have to live with those consequences. But aside from explaining it by not explaining it at all, by just bearing this fact, what else has come up? Some have said, this is, this, is no, this is nothing more than Minsky. In fact, I had a professor at the conference in Leeds that I was presenting this stuff at uh, just last month say, this is just Minsky. We had a above-trend economic growth, we had a bunch of asset bubbles, and now we're, now we're in a lower economic shape. We're lower economic equilibrium, therefore, what's the big deal? We were overgrowing beforehand, and now we're back on trend. We're reverting to the mean, which, if that was the case, then we wouldn't see all of these constant monetary breakdowns. We wouldn't see what we see in actual banking and credit. That's more like the 1930s. We wouldn't see the economic, financial, social, and political consequences like the 1930s where society breaks down, politics becomes more extreme, neighbors are at the throat of neighbors. If we were just going back to a more sustainable growth path, as economists have been saying, we wouldn't be seeing all of these symptoms. And I mean all of these symptoms. And I'll get to some of those in just a moment. So. I don't buy that either. Um, some officials and economists, at least a while back, they had said, well, this was a balance sheet recession. You know, households borrowed too much in the U.S. beforehand. They had to repair their balance sheets before they'd be able to do it again. That was getting in the right direction where credit is actually a problem. This is a big misconception. But here we are 16 years later, household and corporate and small business balance sheets should have been re repaired by now, and they should be borrowing when... They really aren't. So balance sheet recession, that didn't work. Larry Summers in 2014 and 2015, he came up with his secular stagnation theory, which at least identified that we are in a secular stagnation period, though I don't agree with his reasons. And you could check that out if you want to see what, what he was talking about. Because when you step back and look at it, all of it points back to 2008. And that would be one gigantic damning coincidence if that wasn't the explanation here. How can we see global economies all over the world have a massive contraction, the worst that we've seen since the 1930s, and then forget how to grow? Because that's the other explanation that's been offered since then too. Take, for example, the Congressional Budget Office, which puts out estimates of economic potential. And their estimates of economic potential have followed the economic, lack of ec economic recovery in the United States. They keep writing down, or they used to keep writing down economic potential every time the economy failed to recover. And what that was saying is that 
We don't really know why, but the fact that the economy isn't recovering, maybe we'll just assume that it can't recover. And therefore, economic potential is impaired somehow, some way. We'll figure out some kind of explanation down the road. But think about what that actually meant. The CBO was expecting, like Ben Bernanke, like everybody else, they were expecting full and complete recovery. And then when it didn't show up, they said, okay, maybe something's wrong here. We'll, we'll lower economic potential. And then a few, more, few, few years later, a few more QEs, that didn't work. Let's lower potential again. And kept ratcheting down potential. In fact, this is something that Larry Summers pointed to in his secular stagnation presentation. He said, we can't just accept this because we shouldn't accept this. In addition to the misconceptions about GDP, we are nowhere near where we should be if we had if if the 2008 recession was indeed a recession. Can you imagine how great the world would be with the 5 6 7 trillion in additional output just in the United States if we had gone back to trend like a recovery proposed? Oh, the the world it would fix so many problems around the world. But instead we're way off of trend and it would another misconception about that is that not only is people believe the economy has recovered, they think it's been a great decade and a half to be a bank. They think the banking system has been showered with QEs and has been tremendous period for Wall Street or banks around the world when the opposite has been the case. The banking system itself broke down at the same time the economy did. Again, this is not a coincidence. And it did so in a way that looks a lot like what Ben Bernanke was talking about about the 1930s when he wrote his paper in the early 1980s. What he said was, again, the banking system broke in the initial collapse period and it never recovered. Its, its operations were impaired. And we see the exact same symptoms in the 2010s. Contrary to popular perception, there was no massive surge in lending. Quite the opposite. We've been so far off trend, it can only mean what we think it means about the lack of recovery in the economy. The banking system is holding back the economic recovery. And the banking system is being held back itself by these repeated euro-dollar cycles, a breakdown in the monetary system that Again, so much data continues to point to, despite all of the QEs, despite the other misconception about how QE is money printing and liquidity and all that, the data shows unequivocally that's not the case either. So you put all of these things together and it adds up to a lot like the 1930s. You have an initial collapse in the monetary system that becomes an impairment in the banking system that when the economy tries to get back up after that initial downturn, is unable to because it doesn't have the amount of it doesn't have the circulation of money and credit throughout the economy that it needs to in order to actually recover. And we see this again not just in the United States around the world because the euro dollar is what broke down and the euro dollar is our global monetary system. So if we have a breakdown in the global monetary system, we should expect a breakdown in the global banking system, which by the way we see the statistics for and therefore the global economy operates very differently and much worse than it had before 2008. And you look at the mountain of evidence that all points to that one spot in time, 2008. We went from a period of unparalleled prosperity before then because the global economy was closely integrated, financed by the growth in the euro dollar system. And when the euro dollar system broke down, lo and behold, everything else breaks down too. 
And among the factors and among the elements that do break down, as the rate of change in economy goes down, rate of change in politics goes way up, it becomes a vastly different world that we're trying to live in. Yes, we've had conflicts, we've had disagreements all throughout history and time, but if it feels like they seem to be much more consequential these days, it is because there is something behind it. A, a depression is not just a big recession. A depression is a change. It's where the economy tries a good comeback from the low, but a good comeback despite experimental methods to create a recovery, a good comeback is not anywhere close to enough. So while we've had a comeback from 2008 and 2009, don't you dare call it a recovery. There are a ton more videos on the Eurodollar system and its struggles, including one that's linked below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me here. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, as well as our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see right here. And until next time, take care.